I want to jump right into the series. Everybody say this with me. Say, He came with. What did He come with? What did He come with? He came with a lot. Today, I want to talk about something specific that is very important to you and me. I think all of these are. But when I consider all that Christ came with, we could probably go on for the rest of the year about what He came with. Um, Eternally, probably, perpetually, we could talk about what He came with, especially if we broke each thing down into forgiveness and healing and deliverance and salvation and Holy Spirit and the Word and all of these things, we could break them down. What I've tried to do is take and encapsulate a few things that would really help us to lay hold of those things that He came with that covers a multitude of thoughts and moments. And today, what I want to do is I want to teach us and help us to see that He came with humanity. Humanity. And, you know, one of the things about being human, human is that when we are, because of our human nature, we seem to accept that there are certain things that are impossible. What Christ did was come and show us That by being God in human form, He showed us that what might seem impossible to you and me is indeed possible through Him. Where we come up short is we try to do the impossible on our own rather than move through the impossible through Him. And, you know, I think about as a child, one of the things with with kids is... Especially with, with, and I don't know what you would term this as, but uh, uh, with kids, every child, all of us have been children, if we're not children right now, but all of us have been children at one time or another. And in our childhood, there's this sense and this longing for us to know as much as our dad or our mom. We want to feel like whatever they know, I know. And we want to feel like we don't need the help of them. Well, that transitions into adulthood. Even when we become adults, we get to the place where we don't want people telling us or giving us instruction, telling us what to do or how to do anything. So this transitions. But it's, it's kind of an interesting thing because uh, even as children, even telling my children as they were growing up and sharing with them, Joshua and Kaylee and Alex, and saying to them, this is how I want you to do this, There were different times in those moments that they would just look at me and just think, I know how to do that. You don't have to explain it. I know how to do it. And there would be moments when I would say, then do it. And then they would try to do it and it wasn't done correctly. Or it was only done halfway. And I would have to go in and then I would have to show them, this is how you complete that or do that fully and correctly. And it would bother them because there's this sense It's born in us from the time we breathe our first breath. It's born in us to want to be able to excel in everything that we do. We want to be mature from the moment we breathe our first breath. It's true. We want to be mature from the moment we are able to do anything. Our heart, our desire is to be mature. And the reason it is that is because that's what grows us. I remember, and I've shared this before, but I remember as a child, 
My dad was a farmer. He was an incredible farmer. He grew up in Missouri, and his dad was a farmer, and they grew cotton and other things, but had a lot of land, and he was an amazing farmer. And, and when I was a, a kid, and I was growing up, and when I was with my dad, he always had this garden. It wasn't huge, but it was a, it was a one acre, acre and a half size garden. It was big to me. When you're eight, nine, ten years old, an acre and a half picking beans is a big garden. And... <laughs> So I'm looking out over this thing, and I'm pulling weeds, and I'm doing all this, and, my dad, and I'm frustrated. I'm mad. I don't want to be out there. I'm a kid, and I'm like, I don't, you know, my friends are playing baseball over there, or they're playing football, and that's where I wanted to be. They're riding bikes. They're shooting frogs at the pond, whatever they're doing. Those, that's what the, those are what things I wanted to do. And, but I couldn't do it until we had weeded the garden. And I had paid attention, so he would get us up every morning in the summer, and he would send us out to the garden, my brother and me, and he would tell us, you know, go get all the tomato worms off the tomatoes, pull all the weeds out of the rows of corn or whatever it was, pick the beans, get the raspberries, the blackberries, whatever, the okra, pull the okra, and that was nasty because it was slimy. And so you got all these, and you were going in there, and you never picked raspberries without coming out looking like you wore a crown of thorns on the body. And I mean, you had blood everywhere and you're picking these things and, and we would just be so mad about it. And, and I never really paid attention. I didn't pay attention. I did what I needed to do not to learn. I did it to get by. Everything I did, I did to get to the baseball field. I only did it to get to the baseball field. And if I were going to title this message, maybe that would be a better title this morning, Getting to the Baseball Field. Everything I did, I did to get to the field. I did because I wanted to be the next man at bat. I wanted to be the guy at left field. That's where I like to play. So everything, I, I didn't pay attention. I just hurried through it. There's a weed, there's a weed, there's a weed, there's a tomato worm. Yuck. There's some okra. I'm going to pick it all. I'm going to put it all in the basket. Yeah, yeah, nasty, sticky, slimy. Get my raspberries. Get all that stuff picked. Get everything done. Took, hour, took hours every day. Every day in the summer we would get up. Never slept in. Never slept in. It was always, sun's up, let's go. Everybody else is sleeping in, and I never learned. I never paid attention because I was trying to get to the ball field. And then when I grew up and I became an adult, my wife and I are married, and one day I had this wild hair, and I thought, you know what, babe, I think I'm going to do this. Because she would always say, babe, I, I would like to have a garden. And I said, oh, I'm, I can do that. <laughs> my dad had a garden. I grew up with a garden. I can do that. So she said, well, let's do this. Let's plant some tomatoes. Let's plant some beans. Let's plant some, I don't know what all we planted, but we had quite a few things out there. And I fixed up the ground and I did everything. I put some black cow manure in there and stirred it all up and did everything that I thought I was supposed to do. And I planted whatever she wanted to plant. And then I began to realize as I was beginning to plant, I don't remember. See, I re when I was with my dad, he would say, now for this seed, you're going to put it down to the top of your pinky nail. Just make you a little hole. And he had this little thing in his, in his world. He, it, it, there was never measurements. It was just top of the pinky nail. This one goes to the knuckle. This one is the arm, width of your arm from your elbow to your finger. That's how far apart you put them. And he would know it. And then you would go in later and you would pull out the ones that grew too close together. And, you know, making, and he had all this. It was scientific. He was brilliant in that regard. And, and I was not. So I planted all of this. And, I get all, and I'm just waiting for things to grow nothing's growing. We water it, water it, water it, water it. Nothing's growing. Finally, we get a plant that comes up. One bean plant comes up in the garden. I'm so excited. We planted tomatoes and everything else. I get one bean plant. After some time, I go out there. After the entire summer or growing season, we got 
one single bean. We sowed it as a first fruit. <laughs> we got one single bean out of all that. And you know why that happened? It's because I was trying so hard to get to the ball field. I never sat still long enough to simply listen and be taught something. I never let myself get taught. I had to believe somehow I already know this. What I already knew was what I thought I knew. And there's a big difference between knowing and thinking I know. And when I look back at that today, my father passed away um, some time ago in 2013. And I look back at that and I think, man, I wish I'd have paid attention. But I was glad for the day that I paid attention when my dad would go out and work on the car. I was very aware of that because it interested me. So all the work that he ever did on the... No one ever went to... There was no such thing as a Jiffy Lube or a 10-minute oil change or any of that stuff back then. And, and when something like that happened, we would go out into the garage and he would call my brother and me out there and we would go out and we'd get on a little towel underneath the car and it would be jacked up. And there's three of us sitting... That's really a... You, probably not the best way to do that. But we're all underneath that car and he's loosening bolts. Now this is what I'm doing. Get me a half inch open end wrench. Get me a half inch box end wrench. Whatever it was. And, and all the while there's an education taking place. Are you tracking with me this morning? But all the while there's an education that's going on. And I learned how to change oil. And I learned how to change brake pads. And I learned, learned how to bleed brakes. And I learned how to set the timing, or the timing with a timing belt. I learned how to change a brake master cylinder. I learned how to use tools. I learned how to use a drill. I learned that there's a different bit for metal and a different bit for wood. I learned that there's a bit for concrete. I learned that there's a screw for different materials. I learned all of these things as I just watched my dad. And I approached those things very differently because I have a mechanical mind. I like mechanical things. So, so I approached mechanical things very different than I did natural things in the sense of a garden and what have you. Because I was so interested, when I loved it, I kept my mouth shut and I would learn because I wanted to make sure I did it right. If I didn't appreciate the moment like gardening, all I could think about was where I wanted to be. When I was doing mechanical things, which I love, I'm a jack of all trades, I'm not a master of anything, but I can fix just about anything. But I can't plant anything. I made my wife a little garden bed the other day on our land, and I made her a little three-foot by six-foot garden, and you know what's in it? Dirt. <laughs> However, we did find some loquats in our backyard the other day, and I took, we got some seeds drying out, and I'm going to plant those seeds and see if we can get a loquat started. But, um, but I didn't learn anything because it didn't interest me. And this is the nature of mankind is... Often, when we come into the world, especially when we come into the kingdom, we come into the church. No matter where we're at, whether we're adults or children, we have this sense that I don't need anybody to really tell me how to live. Because we're, we miss the point. When we're being taught, if we can change our perspective from someone's trying to tell me how to do something, instead of someone's trying to educate me, and grow me, if we could change our perspective, we would be, most of us would be so much further along than we currently are. And Christ was aware of this. Actually, the Father was aware of this. And when He sent His Son, He sent His Son because He knew that the world was full of people who thought they knew how to do everything. 
They thought that because they are human, they know better than anyone how to be human. Just because I was born a Parker did not make me a good Parker. My father had to train me how to become a good Parker. In some places, I really excelled. In some places, I didn't. In the same way, when Christ came, the Father sent Christ. He sent Him. He came with humanity. He came to show us how to be a better us. To help us to see if you will listen... What I want to do is show you something. In a moment, I'm going to be reading some scripture. And in there, there is the word Abba, Father. I want to say something about that word Abba because when we read that, I want you to hear it like it should be heard. And that word Abba isn't about, as my friend Todd Murner said, it isn't about climbing into the lap of God and saying, I just love you, Daddy. It isn't that, that isn't what's intended with the word Abba. To say Abba is to say, Father, I am obedient. Father, I obey. Father, I hear. That's why when you read Scripture and it will say, Abba, Father, it isn't just saying, Father, do this, Father, do that, because you're my Father. But to say, Abba, Father, is to say, I obey. Dad, I am an obedient son or daughter. It is my choice to insert that Abba there because I want you to know not only do I know that you're my father, but I am an obedient son. Do you understand that this morning? Let's read some things this morning and let me begin with this statement. Christ came to, say this with me, Christ came came to identify with us, not to lord over us. Alright, let's say it again because I want you to understand this. I'm going to say something else. Say it again. Say, Christ came came to identify with us, us. not to lord over us. us. Now say this so that you understand. Say it it this way. He is lord to us, us. but not over us. us. Okay, you got to say that again too. He is lord to us, but not over us over us what's the difference he does not force himself upon you or me he does not come in and say I'm making all the rules and I'm going to determine what you do no he is Lord to us which means I'm going to give you a will we're all very aware of that he gave us a will to do whatever we want but in the middle of our will he wants to be Lord To us. If He were Lord over us, will would not even be an option. Wouldn't be an option. That's why people have a hard time when you hear people say, well, if there really is a God, He wouldn't let bad uh, bad things happen to good people. Well, that's because He... The reason that happens is because He's not Lord over us. He is Lord to those who receive Him. He is Lord to... You've got to get that this morning. He is Lord... To those who will receive Him. People who are waiting for Him to be Lord over them and to tell them every single thing are going to be waiting forever. Because it's not His purpose, nor His desire. 
What He desires to do is for you and for me to begin to grow and to need Him. To inquire of Him. To speak with Him. To have relationship with Him. People, gods, kings, whatever they are that lord over people are not at all interested in relationship. They don't need it because they demand. You'll serve me tomorrow and you'll serve me the next day and you'll serve me the day after. But when Christ came, He came to be Lord to us and He said, I am there. I will be Lord to you if you will receive me. But I will never dictate to you who you will be. You will be who you are based on how you relate to me. I'm for you. I have all the answers you need. And I will release them to you if you receive me. In that way, I can be Lord to you. Does that make sense? To us, Christ is to us. He came as a redeemer, not over us as a dictator. In John chapter 13, turn with me there if you would please. John 13, I'm going to begin reading with, John, uh, with verse 13. It says this. Christ said, you call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for I am that. If I then, your Lord and your teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example. Everybody say, he gave us an example. He said, for I've given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. He came with humanity. He said, I want to come and help you be a better you. I want you to get over the fact or the idea or the thought that you already have it all figured out. And I want, in the same way that Christ came with humility... He wants you and I, He wants us to live with humility. He wants us to position ourselves in such a way that we say, you know what, I'm passionate, I'm in pursuit of, I'm hungry for, I want to be the best that I am, I want to have the best relationship I can, but I also understand I need you to get there. You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, and that I am. If then your Lord and teach, if I then your Lord and teacher have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do, just as I have done to you. You and I understand specific terms. We understand son. We understand brother. We understand sister and mother and aunt and uncle and friend and all of that. What we need to understand is that Christ is all of those. He is all of those things for our understanding. He's relatable. Everybody say Christ Christ. is relatable. And in that relatable place, He demonstrates humanity to us. I'm going to read some scriptures here in just a second, but before I do, I want to define humanity so that we're on the same page. But when Christ came throughout Scripture, specifically the Second Testament, as we read through the Second Testament, when we're reading through that, we're going to find the relationship that He has when He says, these are my brothers, these are my sisters, this is my mother. When He talks about us being heirs, when He talks about fathers and sons, He's in every way, He's trying to teach you and me, He's trying to teach us how to not be in such a hurry to get to the ball game but instead to enjoy the moment that we're in so that it can produce in us a better ball player. 
Humanity, according to Webster's, is this. It is, it's defined as compassionate, sympathetic, or generous behavior or disposition. The quality or state of being humane. Humanity is being compassionate, sympathetic, or generous behavior or disposition. It is the quality or state of being humane. These are qualities Christ came with to demonstrate to you and me. It could be argued that we become less human when we do not possess these qualities. I need you to think about that. If humanity is compassion, sympathy, generosity... If those define what humanity is, if I do not possess compassion or sympathy or generosity, it would be safe to say, would, could be safe to say, that I am less human than I was created to be. If Christ came with humanity, He came, and He did, in coming with that, he came to show us something. He came to show us that when God created mankind and when He created Kent and Judy, when He created any of us in this room, Stephen Kim Parker, when He created whatever your name is, when He created us and He breathed His breath into us, He created us so that we could demonstrate that humankind is worth it's moment. Humankind is not a waste of his breath. Humankind represented life. He created it, and I'm using the words that Webster uses because they're generally accepted. But I'm going to use them, and I note that because there are no bad qualities there. Humanity is not hate, humanity is not racism. Humanity is not something else. What is it? Bad things. Stereotyping. Humanity is sympathy. Humility. Generosity. A teachable spirit. In anything that is present in us, that does not fall in line with the original purpose of God is not humanity. It is a counterfeit of humanity. So where there's no sympathy, where there's no compassion, where there's no generosity, and instead in place of that there is hatred and there is denial and there is just ugliness. I'm just going to say ugliness. Where there is ugliness, it is a counterfeit to the purpose that God put us on the earth and He came with humanity to restore again to you and me sympathy and generosity and compassion. Eyesight, vision, purpose to see why we exist on this earth. We do not exist for the white man to hate the black man or the black man the white man. We do not exist to try to decide who did it right and who did it wrong. We exist to be a demonstration not of the goodness of man but of the goodness of God. The 
Because outside of God, there is no goodness in man. It doesn't matter how many people say, I don't have a relationship with God, but I'm a good person. Well, by your definition. But your goodness is going to take you to hell. You're so good, it got you a one-way ticket. Is anybody tracking with me today? But if I receive him, he came with humanity. What he came to do was to teach me, to educate me, to show me the way. He came. Think about Christ. This is the cool thing about me. This is the amazing thing about Christ. Here Christ is. He is God. He came to be Lord to us, not over us. We get that, right? And he's the son of God. And he comes to earth. The father says, I'm going to send you into the earth to redeem man. I want you to show them again that there is a way. Right now they're corrupt. They don't, they don't have compassion. They don't have sympathy. They don't love each other. They're always fighting against each other. They're always picking fights. with. I'm going to send you, son, to redeem mankind. They've, they've lost their way. And I'm going to send you to redeem mankind. And Christ said, I'm in. I accept the mission. And he goes. He's sent. He didn't go anywhere. He was sent. And he came. And he came with that humanity. And in the middle of all that, he is God. And yet, he's human. And he walks among us. And Ryan, in his walking among us, he shows us, you know what? I want to show you that you can be human. And possess all of the qualities that you were intended from the very beginning. He said, the reason I came to you in humanity is because if I came to you as only God, you would never be able to identify. So I'm, gonna, I'm not going to put off God because I can't put off myself. But I'm going to put humanness on my God spirit. And then I'm going to walk among you. And this is what I'm going to do while I walk among you to show you that humanity has a purpose. Can be full of compassion and sympathy and all of those things that we spoke of a moment ago and have all these qualities. He said, I'm going to walk among you and what I'm going to do is I'm going to grow up and I'm going to learn how to make a chair that can be sat beside the table for people to dine at. I'm going to make little washboards out of wood with my dad. I'm going to learn to be a carpenter. And I'm going, to, I'm going to learn how to use a chisel and a hammer. I'm going to show you that it's worth the effort. I'm going to show you that it's worth the effort in a very practical way to listen to your father. I'm going to show you as I'm kneeling and I'm, and I'm sitting by the fire with Joe. Seth. Just in case you missed it. I'm sitting by the fire and my dad has his little chisel and he's got his little hammer and he's making a piece of, he's making a, 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 a bed table. And I've got mine over here. And I'm eight years old. And I'm watching my dad and all the other boys are out there, they're playing and they're doing their thing and they're throwing things, you know, whatever they threw back then. I don't know what they did back then. I don't know. Chase camels. I don't know what they did. But they're out there playing. I want to be a camel chaser too. But what's more important is I came to show humanity. So as eight year, at eight years old, I want to show you that there's a reason I'm going to do what I'm going to do. Because what I'm going to learn, while it looks like what I'm learning to do is make a table, what I'm really learning is discipline. See, everybody looking at me, all my friends are saying, man, you shouldn't be doing that. You should be out here chasing this camel with us. You know what, that camel over there, John's camel, man, that thing is fast. You can't outrun that camel. I can outrun that camel, but not today. 
Because today I'm going to go and I'm going to sit with my dad. And I'm going to let him teach me something. And I'm going to shut my mouth. And I'm not going to act like I know everything. Now I'm going to ask questions. Dad, why that chisel? Why that chisel? Why that one? And I'm going to watch my father and then I'm going to pick mine up. My little half-sized one. And I'm going to bang with it. I remember taking my kids to Lowe's when they were little bitty. And they were building birdhouses. I still have all three birdhouses. They were little. Josh was like six. So however old the rest of them were, he was the littlest. And I signed them up and I took them to Lowe's and they did this birdhouse thing. And I just watched as that guy would say, okay, take this little piece of wood and then stick it on this little piece of wood. And I'm watching all of my kids and they're exactly, they're just tuned in. And they took this little board and then this little thing and then this little thing. And my kids are really... I don't like things halfway done. So it's really hard sometimes to watch my kids because I feel their pain. Like if, like, especially Josh when he was little, he was very... Uh, I started to say he had too much of me in him, but I don't want to say that because it's not true. But I would watch him and it would hurt my heart because if the board didn't line up perfectly, he would get mad. And he would just look at it and it would just, just make him mad because that, that side didn't match and that's the way I was. Russell Wheatley, when he was building our house, and I would say to Russell, and I, he was, I love Russell, and I would say, Russell, the window frame is a half inch off. He would say, Steve, when it's built, you're not going to know it. I said, I will know it. <laughs> I'm going to know. It doesn't matter if anyone else comes in here. I will know. They need to fix it. And then, I don't know if they ever actually did, but he would come in and he would say, everything's good now. And I think he just learned how to pacify me. But I would watch them build that little birdhouse and put that together and pay attention to what was going on. And that's what Christ did. And, and it wasn't that Christ was learning to build. He, was show, he came with humanity. He was showing us this isn't about building a table. And it isn't about building a birdhouse. It's about learning to learn. It's about learning to be a student. It's about learning discipline. It's about learning that there are some things that are just more important than camel chasing. There are some things that are more important than getting to the ball game. You hearing me this morning? So he came both as both God and man. God, say this with me, he came as God to make a way. And he came as man to show the way. The God in Christ became our Redeemer. But the man in Christ became our example. And he literally taught us and said, I, do I need Joseph? Think about it for a second. If Christ ever had, and, and, and there was maybe a moment where he began to think, man, I know so much. You know, when he was in the temple and they left and he was, they were gone for three days and they came back a day's journey and they came back and he was still teaching in the temple. There might have been a moment where he's thinking, do I really need Mary and Joe? I mean, look at all that I know. I'm teaching these people in the temple. They're gone. They don't even know I'm gone. Do they need me? <laughs> and they come back and they get him. But still, in the middle of all of that, he's teaching something. And he was brought under their authority to show us that even when you get out of the way, there's, in the wrong way, there's still a path back to the right way. He was all of God, 
all of God to make a way and all of man so that he could show the way. I believe now, considering what Holy Spirit put in my heart for today, I believe now that it was God's intent, Yahweh's intention from the very beginning that Christ would be found in the temple after a day's journey. So that again, he was a demonstration of humanity. What does it mean when you get out of line to be brought back into line? Was he sinful? Never. Christ never sinned. But there's a big difference between sin and disobedience. Or sin and immaturity. Big difference between sin and immaturity. Galatians chapter 3 verse 26 says this, For in Christ Jesus you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ, you have put on Christ. Man, just that statement right there, I could live in that moment. For as many of you that have been baptized into Christ, the Spirit of Christ, the Christ that came with humanity, the Christ that came to show us that you can be human and it doesn't have to be bad. You can be human. In fact, it should be glorious. For as many as you were baptized into Christ, have you have put on Christ. There is neither among you Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free, nor male or female, for you are all one in Christ. He was not saying here that everything's gender neutral and there's no... He was not saying that. He was saying those things are irrelevant in relationship to who you are in Christ. We go back to the Gospels where he said, Who is my mother? Who is my brother? Those who trust me, those who lean on me, those who look to me, those who have received me, those who follow me. He wasn't saying, he wasn't disrespecting one over, over another. He was just saying, those terms are irrelevant. I want to bring to you what I'm bringing to humanity. In, in humanity is this, I'm educating you and I'm helping you understand that sometimes the ball game just isn't that important. If you are Christ then you are Abraham's offspring and you are also heirs according to promise. Let me tell you what he wants. Christ isn't looking. He brought humanity because he's looking for you and for me to be heirs of the promise. He wants us to be heirs of the promise. And what he takes into that is the humanity that exists within that compassion and that sympathy and that heart and that goodness and that kindness. That's what he's looking for. Do you hear me this morning? I'm telling you today, when Christ came with humanity, Christian, He came with humanity to demonstrate to you that anything that we see with our eye that is outside of that goodness, it's contrary to His purpose. And there is a way through it. I'm going to read three scriptures. I'm going to read them pretty quickly. So I'm going to go one right through the other, and then I want to talk about these for a second. Luke chapter 10, verse 19 says, Behold, I've given you authority to tread on serpents, and scorpions, and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. In 1 Peter 2.9, he says, you are a chosen race, you are a royal priesthood, you are a holy nation, you are a people for his own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And then in Romans 8, verses 14 through 17, for all who are led by the Spirit of God, they are, what? For all who are led by the Spirit of God, they are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. Again, 
He's demonstrating humanity. You did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have the best example in front of you. You have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father, by whom we say, Father, I will obey. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if we are children, then we are heirs. We are heirs of God, and we are fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with Him in order that we may also be glorified with Him. We have shared authority, shared priesthood, and shared family. Christ came with humanity to demonstrate to you and me what humanity really is. Humanity isn't doing it, and hear me this morning, humanity isn't doing it our way. Humanity is doing it not the right way, the righteous way. The difference between right and righteous is this, there are right things, the law decides what is right. Righteous is decided by the Father. It will not always be true that what is righteous or what is right is also righteous. But it will always be true that what is righteous will always be right. So if I'm going to apply this today, what do I want you to gather from this? First of all, I want you to receive this today that He shows us the way. And He's not looking to punish us as a Lord over us. But He's looking to lead us as a Lord to us. And He leads from the front. I I find it interesting that when He came to the earth, He didn't start slaying people and saying, you're a sinner, kill. You're a sinner, die. You're a sinner, this. But instead, He went where the sinner was. He went where where they were, and He began to demonstrate. He began to show them. He began to demonstrate what humanity really is. And he said, I came with something today, and I want to show you that there is a better way. There is a better you than you are. Today you're fixated on all the things that you're not able to do, and and much of the troubles that we go through. I loved, in fact, let me back up to what Archie uh, was declaring earlier today, and he was breaking the, uh, I forgot the exact, I don't know the exact words that he shared, but basically he was breaking uh, any curses that came before him and things that needed to be broken in his life so that that was not passed on to the next generation in his family, his sons and his daughters and his grandbabies and whoever, whoever comes after them. And he was breaking that. I can tell you in the same way, when you think about that and you consider that, that's what the Father wants to do for you and me. He wants to come to us and He wants us to break things. We do not have to accept the lot that has been handed to us from generations in front of us. I don't have to accept what they give me or what they say I'm capable of. I don't have to accept the statement that this has always been in our family, it's always going to be in our family. Well, you know what? I'm going to be the difference maker. I'm going to be the one that's different because in the same way that Christ came with humanity and said, you know what, you don't have to accept that. I'm going to show you a different way. Well, I'm going to buy that up and I'm going to also be a teacher to a generation coming up behind me. And I'm going to be a teacher because I'm determined to be a good student. I'm not going to be in a hurry to get to the ball field, but I'm going to buy up every moment that he gives to me. And when he's talking, I'm listening and I'm saying, Abba, Father, I will obey. Should I be in the garden right now? I'm going to get in the garden. Am I supposed to be pulling weeds? I'm going to pull weeds. 
but I'm going to listen. And Christ leads from the front, just as Archie demonstrated a moment ago. That's leading from the front. And it's saying, and he's going to have to look into the face of his children. If he, I'm sure he's done it already. But at some point, he's had to look into the face of his children. He's going to have to look into the face of his grandchildren as they understand and have to say, you know what, there are reasons that some of the things that I'm dealing with and walking through today are because of a generational thing that's been passed from generation to generation. Some of it's cultural. Some of it's mental. Some of it's spiritual. Some of it's religious. And I've had to walk through some things and and do these things, but I made a decision. And the decision was, I was not going to allow those things to be attached to you. So I come to you with humanity and what humanity really is. And that's really what he's saying to them. I've learned from the best and the best is Christ. And now I'm going to transfer that to you. And don't go to the ball field before the ball field is ready for you. Get in the garden and work the field. Work the field. Work. And I'm telling you, all of us in this room right now, every one of us watching on that camera today, we have some fields that need to be worked today. We have some tending to do. We have some weeds that need to be pulled. We've got some things that need to be picked. We, need to have, we have some things that need to be sorted out. So what do we do with this? You're sitting in this room. You're sitting under the sound of my voice. You're trying to sort it all out and you're trying to think, well, you know, that all sounds good in, in word, but I don't see the practical application of that. The practical application is listening to what you're hearing said today. The way Holy Spirit is stirring you right now, what's in your heart? Because in your heart, every single person in this room right now, you know in your heart, man, I know these are some things I need to adjust and I need to change. Well, you know what? You don't walk out and not adjust and change. You walk out and you say, Holy Ghost, help me. Spirit of Christ, help me. Father, help me. Help me understand what I don't. Help me see what I haven't seen. Help me hear what I haven't heard. Help me. Put me in, in the company of those who can work with me. Because I want to break this thing. And I'm telling you, as I look around this room, I can't look at a single person that doesn't have a weed or two in our life. If I had a mirror and I could look into, I'm including me in this. I'm not perfect. Ask my wife. I'm not perfect. I strive for it. I want to be every day I get up and I want to do it right. But I'm telling you, there's weeds I'm still pulling. There are things that I, I regret not learning how to plant a bean plant. Now I can redeem that. I can go buy me some green giant bean seeds and read the package. But you know what's sad is that I need a package or YouTube when I had a daddy. Packages are for the fatherless. YouTube is for the fatherless. Somehow, if it had come to me at some point in my life and I rejected it, and now I have to go to the package or to YouTube or to whatever, shame on me. But if now that's my only option, what I can do is say, Father, you brought to me humanity, and one of the things that you taught me in humanity is that if two and two don't equal four in my life, that I can repent 
and you will restore proper humanity in me, compassion and sympathy. You will restore that in me, healing. You will restore that in me, and I can get my numbers to line up again. So I might need you to because I didn't pay attention to dad, but next opportunity I get to pay attention, I'm listening. The fault of the first time will not be the fault of the second. Christ leads from the front. The person in the back can't see what's coming. You talk about needing faith. I've shared this before, but I always think it's ironic or the irony of it. You know, when Moses was leading the Israelites across uh, the Red Sea, as he's leading them across, and there's several million people, the people in the back of that pack, they don't see the sea crossing. They, from, from their perspective, it looks like everybody's diving into the ocean. The people in the front see the waters divided. The people in the back see the Egyptians on their rear. The people in the front are looking at the water that's being divided and they're, they're plotting out their course. The people in the back aren't even looking that way. They're looking this way and saying, God! They're probably not even saying God. They're saying, Moses! And what have you done? We see Egyptians. You see parted water. And yet the irony is the parted water was for all of them. The people in the back had to have more faith than the people in the front. Because while the people in the front already saw the miracle, the people in the back were just hoping there was one. So when Christ led from the front and the people that are just coming into this, see, the longer you walk with Christ, and I'm going to wrap it up with this, but the longer we walk with Christ and we understand that He brought and He came with humanity so that we could learn from Him. And that it's possible. And not only possible, but purposed. What we get when He came and when we're looking, when I've served Him for any length of time, the longer we serve Him, if I'm just being honest, the less faith it requires. I don't have any more faith today than I had when I first got saved. I just use it differently. I use it more efficiently today. We've all been given a measure of faith. How we use that measure is determined by how we walk with Him. And when I started walking with Him and He gave me a measure of faith, all I knew I could use just a barely a drop of it, just enough to say... I believe you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. I repent, forgive me, save me. And it, I had just enough faith in that bucket to believe for salvation. And then he saved me, and I was using that, a little more of that faith. And then he began to do miracles in my life that were miracles to me. To somebody else, it might have been, oh, that was a good thing. I'm glad that happened for you. But to me, man, that was a miracle. God moved on my behalf. Meeting my wife, meeting Nolan Ball, all these, just all of the, suddenly my faith is increasing. And I'm realizing I'm using more and more of the measure that he gave me. But where in the beginning it required, as some are under the sound of my voice, you're coming into relationship with him or you're trying to decide today whether you're on the other side of that lens or in this room today. You're trying to decide. 
I want to know Him and I want to believe in Him. Today, it requires great faith for you to believe. Man, I'm just really... It takes everything I have to believe that He really is the Son of God. It takes great faith. But the day will come. You press into the moment. You press into the Word. You press into everything that He puts in your spirit. You keep hearing and you keep trusting. The day will come. You will find that it takes no faith at all to believe that He's the Son of God. Because no longer... Is He something that you are waiting to come alive in you? He has become alive in you. I need faith for what has not yet arrived. I don't need faith for what I now possess. Do you hear me today? So the person in the back, they can't see what's coming. So they're saying, oh God, I am just believing that somehow... Those folks up there in the front are not getting swallowed up in those waters. I don't know what it is. I, re- I heard it before. I don't know. Three mil- several million people. We don't really know the exact number, but several million people. I don't know how long that line would be, but I promise you it was long. That's a lot of folks. And they required, man, what are they doing? I see over the horizon their just heads are disappearing. Is that good or bad? whole time the people in the front are like God is God and the people in the back are where is God (laughs) and I don't know if you're in the God is God or the where is God moment but you keep moving forward and the where is God will turn into God is God I promise you that stand with me if you would please